0: hi welcome to the vineyard altoona podcast where we attempt to equip people for kingdom release if you have any questions or just want more information you can visit our website at vineyard or any of our social media platforms at vineyard altoona and now here's jerry with the message How many of you had families that were involved in church community growing up? How many of you would say that you had people in your lives that showed you the love of God and encouraged you and walked beside you? Growing up, my family didn't go to church. I even had some animosity toward people who did go to church. I can remember thinking that church people must be judging me and thinking that they're better than me as a kid. That's sort of how I felt. And I don't think now that that was the case, but that's what I thought whenever I was a kid. That was sort of the meaning that I made that there was something different about those people than there was about me. The human brain is a meaning making machine. What I mean when I say that is that humans are built with reason. And so we try to make connections in the world around us and try to understand the world and ourselves, where we fit, how we fit. We're constantly seeing things and hearing things and deciding what that means for who we are and how we show up and how we should do life. So let me sort of give an illustration for this and break it down a little bit. So imagine that you're at a party and someone who you know comes up to you and says, what are you doing here? Now, there are a number of different ways that you can imagine that to mean what that could mean to you. The first thing maybe could be that the person didn't know that you knew the host of the party and is happy to see you. Another meaning is that the person didn't know that you knew the host of the party and they're disappointed to see you. Another meaning that you could make is that the person knew that you knew the host of the party and specifically asked them not to invite you. So as you can see, there's a number of different meanings that we can make from this one little interaction. And that's sort of what we do. Often we decide ahead of time what people mean and what interactions and what things mean. And that really has more to do with our own experiences and what we already believe about ourselves than what the other person says or even their tone. And so often the meaning that we make is the wrong one. But usually we don't stop to ask the person, when you said this, when you were surprised to see me at the party what did that mean what did you mean by that we just decide that we already know it could be one of those three things and often we decide the most negative one and then we believe that as truth and we make decisions thousands of decisions out of this little thing that happened to us as kids we all have formational experiences So things that happen to us that we make meaning from and we live out of and we do our life with. We can have the best parents in the world, those who love us and do their best for us. But because we're broken, we tend to very easily believe lies about who we are and where we fit into the world. And so that's why a big reason why we here at The Vineyard really believe in emotionally focused. And you've heard us talk about this. It used to be called Faith Walking. This is a program, a series of classes, where you can go through and really delve into these things that we believe, formations that we had as children and figure out where they came from and why they're there. What's the truth about them? You've heard us talk about those numerous times, and so I just wanted to get my plug in. This is so helpful and instrumental in helping you sort of unpack those things. So my parents love me very much, and growing up, I know that they did the best they knew how, just like I do the best that I know how for my own kids. But as a, at a very young age, I had some unique experiences, and I made meetings from them. From the time I was about five, I believe that because of a meeting that I made from something that happened to me, that it was my job to fix everything and make sure that everyone is okay. So imagine this, being a five-year-old girl and deciding that everything being right and everyone around me being okay was my job to fix and do. So all my life, even growing up into adulthood, I've had believing, been believing some version of that lie that my value, or at least part of it, depends on my ability to fix everything and make everyone okay. But because I can't fix everyone and make everything okay, I felt like a failure for much of my life. In high school, I hated myself. I had a really hard time feeling okay or worthy to interact with people or let them see who I really was because I felt like a failure. And I thought that if they knew who I really was, they would reject me. So when I was 15, I accepted Jesus into my life. My family had started going to church and I thought it was time, but I had really no foundation previous to that of what that even meant or how to do life. Much of my freedom in Jesus and my ability to accept love from him and other people was found in adulthood. So I spent the majority of my childhood feeling less than, scared, and alone And all the decisions I made were run through that grid. I was quiet. I wore clothes that helped me blend in. I never tried very hard at things because I thought I wasn't good enough anyway. I was a failure, so why would I try? Maybe my story resonates with some of yours. Maybe you spent a lot of your life protecting yourself or hiding or escaping with some addiction because something that you learned early in life meant that you weren't good enough. So many of the destructive things we do, we do because we don't believe in our intrinsic value in God, that we are loved and valuable just because we are, that it isn't dependent on what we do or what we say. It's dependent on God and who he is, and it just is. So I think to myself sometimes, if I could only go back in time, And tell that little five-year-old girl that she's good and loved and valued. How God wants to use her and the gifts that God gave her for his kingdom. How would my life have been different? How would my story be different? If I had just known as a kid the truth and promise of God's love. God has saved me and freed me from so much as an adult. And I'm immensely grateful for that. But sometimes I wonder how much heartache would have been saved if I had people around me as a kid, as a little kid, who could show me the fullness and depth of God's love and provision for me. There are kids all over Altoona who are being shaped and formed by the meanings that they make. Things that happen to them and what they see Figuring out how they fit into the world and what it means to even just be human. And I think God is calling us to be a people who do for them what we wish that could have been done for us as kids. And so as we are people who faithfully pursue our own healing from the lies that we believed and the things that formed us, I really believe that as we look to the fall, we're being invited into a space to be the ones who will share the truth of God's love and provision with kids, so that hopefully they don't have to live so many years with the lies and coping mechanisms that many of us had. Today, we're going to look at Luke chapter 15, verses 11 through 24. And this is the parable that Jesus tells about the prodigal son. It's one of my favorites for a lot of reasons. And usually when I'm preaching on this section of scripture, I like to focus on the father because it really shows God's love for us. But today I want to hone in on the son. And so it reads, Jesus continued, there was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them not long after that the younger son got together all he had set off for a distant country and there squandered his wealth in wild living after he had spent everything there was a severe famine in that whole country and he began to be in need so he went and hired himself out as a citizen of that country who sent him oh to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed pigs He longed to fill his stomach with the pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his senses, he said, how many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to get to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and went to his father. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. And so this parable is set shortly after the one about the lost sheep. I don't know if you're familiar with that one, but I'll paraphrase it a little bit. It talks about if there's a shepherd who has a hundred sheep and he has ninety-nine with him, but one wanders away and is lost, he'll leave the 99 to go after the lost one. And that's talking about God's love for us, that he will follow us and chase us as we are lost, to bring us into his love, that he would go to any lengths to find us. And there are a lot of parallels between the lost sheep parable and the prodigal son parable, with this father who's overjoyed about his son, coming home, and he pulls out all the stops for him. He talks about he was dead, and now he's alive again. And this is a beautiful, beautiful picture of the Father's lavish love to us. And the point that Jesus is making is that how that is how God loves us. But I want to go back to verse 17, and I'll read it again from there, kind of really focus in here. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare? And here I am starving to death. I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. And so the point I want to make here is that this son already knew his father's love. He knew the kind of father that he had. He had grown up in his father's house He had experienced the generosity of his father, and he knew that his father was a generous and kind person. He knew that he was kind even to his servants, that his servants had more than enough. And by the context, I think we can say that this son had lived a life that was full of the love of his father. And so when he gets into trouble, he knew where he can turn. It said, he came to his senses. And so this son who left and asked his father for his fortune knew the love of the father. He had turned away and he had walked away. But when he really got down to it, when he really needed help, he remembered the love of his father and he knew where to go. He came back with his tail between his legs, but he came back. And I think we who are parents, even those of us who maybe aren't parents but invest in the lives of others, want to know for sure that the truth and the love that we share with people will stick and will guarantee that the person we'll care that we care about will follow Jesus. And I have to say, there is no such guarantee. But what I do know is that when we share God's love with other people and the freedom that Jesus offers, it is never in vain. It never returns empty. And especially when we make a decision to follow Jesus, no matter what happens to us after that, God does not let go of our hearts. We may turn around and be unfaithful and not stick to what we promised to God, but God never goes back on his promises to us. I've seen time and time again People who have made a decision to follow Jesus and asked him to be in charge of their lives, and then when it gets hard, they run. But there's this thing where Jesus sort of sticks his hooks in your heart and pulls you back. So often God brings people to their senses, like in the story of the prodigal son, and they're reminded of the peace that they felt, and the love that they experienced when they were walking closely with the Lord. In those times of trouble, there's something in our hearts that happened, and we remember. We remember where we felt loved. We remember where we felt peace, where we were accepted, and where we knew our value. And God brings us back into his love. Just like the son in our story, he knew the father's love. He ran away, like many people do, but when life got hard for him, he knew where to go. When we share the love of God with people, there's something so powerful about that love and grace that it sticks. And God can bring that knowledge back to people at just the right time. He can bring us to our senses. Derek's growing up story is different from mine. Derek's parents both have been involved in church all their lives. It's a beautiful legacy of their family. So Derek grew up in the church. He went every Sunday. He went through confirmation. And much of his family still goes to the same church, actually. And then whenever he was in college, during one class period, a philosophy professor talked him out of faith. And so he spent a few years in what we will call wild living, (laughs) kind of like the prodigal son. And I'm sure during that time, his parents weren't really sure what was going on and if what they had taught him even mattered, if it stuck, if all those weeks and years of taking him to church and teaching him about God and putting him in the classes had done anything. But then Derek describes one day where he sort of came to his senses. He had come to the end of himself he recognized that he couldn't do his life. It wasn't working out. <laughs> and he needed to change something, but he didn't even know how. And so he said to God, if you're real, you can have my life. I've tried it my way, and it's a mess. And from that moment on, he was placed on a trajectory that landed him here to plant a church and impact this city for Jesus. Derek says that because of the foundation that had been built for him as a kid, he very quickly was able to understand the things of God because he was, it was revealed to him the grace of God. And so he already knew all the stories. He had already done the quote unquote book work. He knew the Bible well, and it made sense to him now. He sort of came to his senses. All that groundwork had been laid as a kid, learning about Jesus, came alive when he was touched by the Holy Spirit. And instead of flailing in the dark, searching for something he didn't know about, when he got himself to the end of himself, he knew where to turn. He knew, or at least he hoped, that Jesus was what he was looking for. I think we see so many people get to that point of knowing that what they're doing isn't working. So many people are searching for something, but they don't even know what. And when you've had that groundwork, when you have learned about Jesus as a child, even if you walk away, there's something that draws you back in and you sort of know what you're looking for. And so I want to ask you a question. Do you wish that you had had someone in your life who could have shown you the love of God as a kid? How would that have changed the decisions that you made throughout your life? the way you view yourself, the way you interact with the world. Being a part of a community of believers is the main way we work those things out. And as we're leaning into wholeness and healing for ourselves, we're meant to be reaching out to others with the love of Jesus, teaching them the truth about who they are and how they're loved by a kind and generous father. As we think about impacting the city for the kingdom of God, we're taking a special focus on kids because we think it matters. Studies show that over 75% of Christians accepted Jesus before their 21st birthday. As we move into adulthood, we are less and less likely to give our lives to Jesus. It's so important that we share the love and truth of Jesus kids. That doesn't mean that they won't turn away, but we've planted this seed that can grow and that God can remind them of so they're not flailing later on. So when we get to the point where we're just at the end of ourselves and we don't know what to do, we know what we need. Even though I didn't accept Jesus until I was 15 and I didn't have that groundwork as a kid, there were adults who were in my life at that time who encouraged me who loved me and spoke into my life. I can think specifically of about three women from my parents' church who to this day are a part of my story, who told me that I was called to minister, and they didn't know what that looked like, and neither did I, but that calling was called out in my life from that time, whenever I was 15 years old, and it's been years of working that out. But there were people in my life who showed me the love of Jesus. Do you want to have that kind of impact for the kingdom? Do you want to help someone experience the love of Jesus in a way that you wish you could have as a kid? I want to invite you to help out with kids ministry this fall. We need teachers, people who can come and teach the lesson. We're getting a new curriculum, which I think will be really helpful in that. And we will walk with you all along the way. So if you're willing to try Let us know. And we need people who will help with crowd control that don't really feel like they could teach but could be nice to a kid who could open a snack, who could make sure that everyone is safe. If you feel like you want to be a part of the kingdom coming to Altoona in this way and shaping someone's life, changing the trajectory of their life, reach out to Abby. Abby is our new kids' ministry coordinator. She has a great vision for our kids' ministry. And again, we will help you all along the way. In closing, I want to read Abby's statement about her vision for our kids' ministry at the Vineyard. I'm so excited about this because I think it's so in line with who we are and who we want to be as a people. So as I read it, listen and ask the Holy Spirit how he wants you to be a part of what he's doing in this ministry. My hope and prayer is that the vineyard will be a place that kids from all over the city of Altoona could come and feel safe and loved. The church will be a place our kids will learn to love God, love others, and love themselves. I hope that as kids are welcomed in each Sunday morning, they will feel as if they have a place with us and will be excited to come back each and every week. However, just like we believe church shouldn't be contained to Sunday, I believe that kids' ministry should not be contained to a single day of the week as well. I hope that the vineyard could be a place that loves kids and their families well throughout the whole week through things such as after-school programs, summer camps, kids' community events, programs for kids with disabilities, and whatever else God is doing. If you involve yourself in the life of kids, you can have a giant impact in what the landscape of the city looks like. You never know whose life you're going to be touching and how they're going to touch many, many other lives in the process. So I would invite you to consider volunteering in our kids' ministry this fall. God bless you. Have a great week.